And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and we have an incredible episode lined up for all of you. I have our special guest, Cassie Bjork, who is a globally recognized industry leader in weight loss, a highly sought-after speaker, and the number one international best-selling author of Why Am I Still Fat?, the hidden keys to unlocking that stubborn weight loss. And for over 10 years, she has helped tens of thousands of women and men achieve the bodies and lives they want, not by starving or skimping, but by eating foods that fuel effective and sustainable weight loss. And many, many other things. As I was diving deeper into Cassie's work, um, I was pleasantly surprised, not only by her story that she's going to tell us all about. We got to talk a little bit about it before we hit record. Um, This is the first time we're actually meeting, but we have so many mutual friends. And I love how these things kind of, these things happen when I get to, to interview people. You know, it's kind of like there's so many cross-references and so many um, cross-connections between both her and I, work, both of our work, um, that goes far beyond, quote-unquote, weight loss. But her story is quite amazing how she even got into this field from being a registered dietitian to being more of a holistic healing and alternative, uh, use the word alternative, it's really like the other model should be the alternative model, but we'll get into that later. Um, but really being a holistic focused um, uh, educator and the work that she does is actually quite expansive. And I'm really, really excited to have you on Cassie to really dive deep into the rabbit hole as we tend to do on this show and, and kind of take it where it takes us. But um, without further ado, I'm really excited to have you on. I'm really happy that we finally get to meet here 
and uh, really dive into your work. And, um, you know, so before we dive into your story, because it's quite an amazing story, one that I think a lot of people can relate to, especially the piece around the identification that we talked about. I definitely want to get into that because I think it's going to be so valuable and so relatable to basically anybody that's listening to this, that's maybe making a transition in their life, whether it has to do with food or not, health or not. We're all making these interesting transitions, especially in our times now, transitioning from old models, whether that be old relationship paradigms, that be old career models that we've adopted, um, you know, food models, health models, whatever it is, most people are in a bit of a transition in their life. And to go through a transition, you also have to transition who you used to be to become who you can be or what's possible, right? And and there's a lot of discomfort in that process. So um, I'm really going to enjoy that piece of it in particular. But I'd love to just kind of get a sense for everybody listening and myself, you know, when when I read your description, you know, there's, there's the word weight loss and things of that sense, but your work is so much far beyond just like helping people lose weight, right? Yeah, totally, Ronnie. Thank you so much for having me too, by the way. I'm so excited to connect with you and I love all the synchronicities that have happened and even just how I just moved into this small beach town and you're going to be moving here. Like there's just so many um, things that we have in common and I'm just so excited to be able to share my story with your audience and I love that you use the word expansive because yeah, it's so hard to just say, here's the one thing I do because really even like in the weight loss space, we use that term because most of the women and men coming um, to me and my team of dietitians, they come to us because they've tried every diet on the planet and they've done all these yo-yo diets and they've lost weight and they've gained weight and they've seen dietitians who've told them to eat less and move more and it's maybe worked, but not long-term and it wasn't sustainable. So really that's like what they're searching is for someone to help them lose weight. But what we see and what's exciting is that it's never just about the weight loss. I mean, the weight loss is always a beautiful side effect of healing from the inside out and getting your body in balance. And what I love about that is it's never just about physical. It's never just about the food. And with my background as a dietitian, you know, I was trained to really look at the food and every morsel that you're putting into your body and every sip of water that you're taking or all the fluids that you're taking and really like figure out all these equations from metabolism and weight loss. And what I found is that's not really how the body works. There's so many other factors that have to be considered like hormones and thyroid and sleep and stress and supplements and yes, food and exercise, but there's just so many more pieces of the puzzle that a lot of practitioners aren't looking at. So that's really been the basis for the approach that um, I developed a decade ago. And I've been helping you know hundreds of people over the last 10 years to lose weight and keep it off and experience greater energy levels and consistent energy levels and better cognitive function and focus during the day and their cravings go down and back pain that they thought was just there because they were getting older goes away and their migraine headaches just disappear and they thought they just had to struggle with those and it's like all the parts of their lives that they kind of thought were just like part of who they were like it's almost like these these annoyances became part of their identity they shed those things as the pounds come off because their body is getting into balance and the, what I love about it the most, I think, is it's not that hard. It's just a matter of looking at all the different pieces. Mm. So my dietitians and I, we kind of like to think of ourselves as detectives. And we're looking at all the missing puzzle pieces, the real reasons for their stubborn weight loss. And we guide them through our step-by-step process to put those back together. And it's not even just about the body. It's the mindset. It's the spiritual components. And I know that those are things that you like to talk to your audience about. And I think what's so important about that is one thing that we found is you can lose the weight, 
and you can like reach all your goals physically. But if you're not in the right place mentally and spiritually and emotionally, it's not going to have the effect on your life that you want it to have. And oftentimes people will gain the weight back. So we ended up adding in like a lot of like mindset um, and spiritual, you know, parts of our program, because that's just something that can't be overlooked. Mm, I, I, I love it. And I mean, I concur completely. I mean, it's so it's so, there's so many, I look at it like your life is a, is a portrait, right? Your life is a masterpiece and you're, you're putting the puzzle pieces together, right? So you can't be lazy about it. You got to be like an investigator because it's your life, right? Yeah. You're, you're creating the masterpiece and you can't be so myopically focused on each little piece because then you lose sight. You kind of lose sight of the forest for the mm-hmm. tree, right? You kind of mm-hmm. lose the bigger picture. And I really love, you know, there's a number of things that you brought up that I think are really, really fascinating. But, you know, from the emotional and psycho, the psycho-spiritual and, and psycho-emotional perspective, like, we're just finding out more scientifically now that your body is responding to the thought forms of your mind. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with the term neuropsychoimmunology, um, but basically how your, 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 the, your thought forms affect your immune system. And there's actually receptor sites in your immune system um, connected to your neuropeptides. So like when you have a thought, it actually has a real biochemical effect on your body right in in your emotions and and all that so Mm -hmm. i mean that it's just so fascinating when you do put all the puzzle pieces together and you do look beyond the scope of just the mechanical thing i think that's what you're bringing up is like the old model of like whether it's the dietitian perspective it's the Mm -hmm. the pseudo nutrition that i the education that i got in college which i walked out of because you know it's just like the the food pyramid it was just like this mechanical approach in like the allopathic field um, that I spent, I spent a number of years, um, in by coincidence surrounded by doctors and nurses and HIV, um, specialists. Cause I worked in the HIV ward kind of through interesting random syn- synchronicity that opened me to this. Um, it's very mechanical. It's mechanistic. It's not dealing with intuition. It's not dealing with the spiritual aspect. It's not dealing with a heartbreak. It's not dealing with all these factors that we all go through in life. It's just like the body is this mechanical, um, you know, um, uh, vehicle and it, but it's not like that. Right. And so I think that what you're bringing up is so absolutely important. And I definitely want to wrap around to the identity piece because that's, what's coming yes. up to me, but, um, to kind of put a bullet point on that, cause I really do want to get into that. But what I want to lead into is your, your personal story. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's so, it's such a powerful kind of testament, um, for a lot of people. And I'd love to just kind of um, get a sense of like, when you, why did you start, first of all, like, why did you get into the dietitian field? And then why did you transition out of that? Oh, yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story. It is, it is so interesting how we're always, I think we're always in transition and we're always shifting towards something. And I don't think that's something that I really realized for a big part of my life. And that's part of what I want to share. And I know you touched on transition earlier and just how that, how that affect the effect that can have on our identity and moving forward and how we have to tap into our intuition. This was all just like new stuff to me. It was so foreign to me a long time ago. Like when I started, 
um, my career. And before that, when I went to school to be a dietitian, I was super analytical and I love numbers and I love science and I loved equations. And I really had a passion for health and fitness. And I loved helping people. I always loved, you know, playing teacher mode and helping kids in the back of the classroom. And, um, and I just really believed that health was one of the answers to living to our fullest potential. So that was my focus. That was the bullseye. And I went to school to be a dietitian because honestly, I really wanted to wear white lab coat and work in a hospital and get to do all the calculations, which, which I did once I um, got my credentials and I was able to work in the intensive care unit and figure out all these, all these equations. But to back up a little bit, what was really confusing to me is that I was in pretty good shape. And then when I went to school to be a dietitian, I started really following all of the dieting rules that I was learning. So they were teaching us, you know, low fat, low calorie, exercise like crazy. So I ran marathons and I counted my calories and I ate low fat. And what happened next was crazy to me is that I started gaining weight. And not just like two pounds or five pounds or 10 pounds, but, you know, 15 and 20, I was almost 25 pounds heavier my first year of dietitian school from doing all these things that were supposed to help people lose weight and be healthier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, following all these dieting rules, you know, eating oatmeal for breakfast every morning and sandwiches on whole grain bread with fat free cheese and like just cutting back on my calories and running and exercising more. And I felt like there was just something wrong with me. I felt like such a failure and such a hypocrite because here I am, you know, learning all of these things that are supposed to make me the food and metabolism and weight loss expert and it's backfiring. So that was really the start of my journey of like something is not working here. Something is backwards. And I'll never forget when I went to my first um, conference for dietitians, it's like their annual event. And I walked in and I saw this big tent and the whole conference was sponsored by Pepsi. And they had this calorie counting campaign. So they were putting on all the lectures about why, you know, you could drink soda and be healthy as long as you were in a calorie deficit and you could lose weight. And that's basically what they were teaching us. And then I saw the McDonald's tent and then I saw the um, Steve or the Truvia tent and General Mills and all these big food sponsors. And that was another moment where I was like, okay, this is kind of messed up. (laughs) Like something isn't really adding up here. Um, so that's really when I started to kind of dig into the actual science, like, okay, if this isn't working and if I'm getting heavier and fatter and I'm doing all these things that are supposed to help, um, what's, what's going on? Like what's, what's actually true and real. And when I really dug into the research, I realized that, you know, the low fat, low calorie diet doesn't even have a lot of science to it and that our body actually needs fat and our brain is made up of over 70% fat. And no wonder I was getting more cravings when I was restricting and no wonder I was gaining weight because now I know there was a lot of inflammation going on in my body and my body wasn't getting what it needed and metabolism. I kind of like to think it's like a fire. And when you're putting a lot of wood in or a lot of calories in your body's going to, the fire is going to burn, your body's going to work better. And when you restrict, you know, the fire stops and your metabolism kind of shuts off when you restrict it, restrict the food. So I learned all these things. And basically, I found out that a lot of what I learned in school, pretty much everything was like backwards from what I was reading in the research. And that made me question a lot of things. And it really challenged um, my whole education. And I was really frustrated. What was exciting was when I was applying all these new findings to my own life, I was feeling awesome. I was losing weight. My energy levels were going up. My cravings were going down. I felt like a different person. And all I was doing to start was eating more fat, healthy fats like avocados and butter. And I was eating more calories, giving my body more food. I actually backed off the exercise. I was exercising less. I started taking supplements, um, high quality supplements that were 
probably filling in some nutrient gaps there and helping reduce inflammation. And really what I was doing is kind of just like backing off of all the dieting rules that I've been following and just relaxing a little bit, just kind of like chilling out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's what really changed my life. And that was kind of the beginning of me um, teaching other people this very different approach that's based on science that helps to boost your metabolism and heal inflammation and look at, you know, steps that conventional dietitians and nutritionists and doctors might miss or not even look at. And what ended up happening was I ended up um, being able to share this with a lot of different people. And I got a lot of publicity in the first couple of years of my career because I was so outspoken about, you know, this totally different approach to dieting and weight loss. And I developed a program around it called Rule Breakers because we're breaking all the dieting rules. And over the next decade, um, hundreds of people were seeing results. Like our, my approach worked, like our clients shed weight and they gained energy and they healed chronic conditions and they tapped into new levels spiritually and emotionally and physically. And a few years into my career, um, the board of nutrition and dietetics came after me. And they served me papers and said I had to stop doing what I was doing. They gave me a cease and desist to my approach to nutrition and weight loss. And they wanted me to stop teaching anything other than low-calorie, low-fat food and diets. And really, the only reason my approach was working was because I rejected all of those outdated rules of traditional dietitian training. And they didn't like what I was doing. They didn't think I should be talking about anything else. And they wanted me to stick to the rules. And mm. so I had a choice. I could either change what I was teaching or I could relinquish my license. This is, this is so fascinating because it's like, it's the, I, I've actually never heard of the dietetics association coming after a dietitian, but I mean, it reminds me of like just the, 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 um, you know, doctors that go renegade, right? Renegade, like they actually, you know, whether they're dealing with like vaccine injured children or they're, you know, they're in the autism kind of field and they're actually speaking out about what they're finding or Mm -hmm. they're prescribing real food and nutrition and not medication, not pharmaceuticals to people. What's interesting to me about this, I just want to point out is like, it sounds like to me, you were able to get people to produce greater results but it doesn't seem like that was of interest to them. They weren't, they weren't even interested in that particular factor inquiring about it. It sounds like they just saw that you were making headway with doing a different approach. You're a registered dietitian. So you, you, you know, that, that, you know, um, so, so anyways, it sounds like to me, you kind of get where I'm coming with with this. Well, they They didn't care about the results that I was getting. Right. It, right. it didn't matter. And I actually pulled up research for everything I was teaching. And I was like, look, like, I'm not making this stuff up. Like, it, it's all there. Like, I'm like, this is actually based on science. And my education was not a lot of my education was based on, you know, big food sponsorships and really outdated science, but it didn't matter. I mean, in the, in the end, they just they wanted me to just stop completely. And I do want to point out that you know, the day I earned my certification as a licensed dietitian was one of the most important days of my life. <laughs> I worked so hard for that credential and the authority that I thought it gave me. And I was so excited and ready to like help people, you know, improve their health and lose weight. And I think that this whole situation really demonstrates a signif- significant problem 
in the credentialing process and in the governing boards. And I don't think every dietitian is going to run into what I ran into. I mean, like you said, I've, I've heard stuff like this happening with doctors who've gone rogue, but really, I think I'm the only dietitian that this has happened to. And I'm certainly not a fan of like fear mongering. And if anybody's worried about their own license out there, that's not what I'm trying to do. But I just think it's so interesting and it is so sad. And it was really a heartbreaking process for me, to be honest, because I wanted, and the reason I actually fought, I fought for five and a half years, as I was saying to you, Ronnie, earlier, like I just gave up my credentials this January. I fought for almost six years to keep them. Um, Not because they were even aligned with what I, what I teach and what I know to be true, but I think it was more of like a, I want to make change from the inside out. And mm-hmm. and also, I think a pride thing, <laughs> like I worked so hard for those, like, you're not going to take those away. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm helping people and I'm having a, an impact and an influence on people that struggled following, you know, what maybe other dietitians were telling them or, you know, what they're being told by their by their doctor who maybe had a 24 hour nutrition certification. Um, and I knew I was helping people. So I think that was like the hardest part for me was knowing that I was doing the right thing. And what am I, you know, every day I think like, what's the next right thing mm-hmm. personally, professionally in relationships, what's the next right thing. And I felt at the time, like it was, it, it was to keep these credentials that I worked so hard for and that my identity was really based on because actually, you know, my company was called dietitian Cassie for 10 years so my, it wasn't just, you know, my, my company and my business, but when it really came down to it and I was doing some soul searching, I was like, man, I'm basing my identity on these letters behind my name. You know, people would recognize me at coffee shops and be like dietitian Cassie. Cause that's, that was like my name. It's what I was known as. So it really became this like stripping of all these layers of who am I really? And do I really need letters behind my name, which are respectable. I really respect credentials. I really do. And it was one of those things where it's like, it's not aligned. And sometimes when something is not aligned, you have to just shed, shed those layers. You know, this brings up such a powerful point. One of the things that I early on in my career and my education into nutrition um, over 10 years ago, when I started my career, um, I, I got into all the varying aspects of like, dietary theories. And I, I don't like the word diet because it has the word die in it, right? And it kind of like has this interesting kind of energetic um, connotation to it. And we can get into that because I know you talk a lot about that particular aspect of like why diets don't work and we need to get off yeah. diets. Um, but, you know, it's like I got really deep into it because one of the things I started to notice was kind of the fundamentalism in the dogma within the diet industry. And I was, I was genuinely confused. I actually didn't understand why there were so many people with, with kind of banners and flags on opposite ends. And there was almost like a violent opposition from like the vegan end to the paleo end or the, whatever the, the, the extremes were. Mm-hmm. And people were getting results on every end. So I was kind of like from a, from a, just more of a scientific inquisitive perspective. I was just kind of like, okay, I mean, there's something in it for everyone here. So I don't understand why people are so like, you know, so angry, so like protective of their particular, their, their diet camp. And then I started to dive more into psychology. That's when I started to really dive into the psychological elements of, of all of this. And I realized like, you know, when you start to create an identity around what you do and don't do, you know, you're setting yourself up for a pretty interesting predicament, you know, whether, you know, in, in the diets in particular, because the diet is meant to change, 
a nutrition approach changes as we change. And if our, if our nutrition approach doesn't change, then we're probably not changing as a human being because we require different things at different stages, different hormone stages, different even psychological and spiritual stages. If I'm an athlete transitioning into more of a meditative yogic kind of spiritual, spiritual lifestyle, my my nutrition approach is going to change. Like I'm not going to do the same thing I, or the other way around. Like, so if I wrap my identity around like, okay, I'm a vegan or I'm a raw vegan or I'm a paleo or I'm this, it's like, it, I can see why it's so challenging or you brand yourself on Instagram or YouTube mm-hmm. of like, okay, I'm, you know, you put your diet with your name here. I've, I just, for me, I always felt like Ronnie Landis is who I am. That's my brand because that's malleable. I'm going to change. My perspectives yeah. are going to change with time. So I'm not going to set myself up in this little box that I have to go in and then like either, either I'm going to be in the closet doing things that don't align with my brand because you know, that happens Mm -hmm. or I'm going to have to come out and tell everyone like, Hey guys, sorry, I changed. And now I got to explain to all these other fundamental followers now that pigeonholed me because I pigeonhole myself and because, you know, so anyways, like that, that's, that's what I saw in the diet world as far as identity goes. And I want to, I want to kind of just touch on that a little bit more to you. Like what, 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 do, what does the role of, of identity play in our health and our wellness and our, our, just our being? Mm-hmm. Like as we're going through these transitions that we mentioned, um, how, you know, just, I just like to get your perspective on the role that identification plays. Oh, that's such a great question because it plays such a big role in every part of our lives. And I think that one thing that we've really seen with identity with our clients is they, 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 when they shift and they start to lose this weight, especially if it's weight they've struggled their whole life losing, they almost, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier too, about how powerful the thoughts that you have are. Your thoughts can literally change your reality. And when you think of yourself as someone who sucks at dieting and has always been fat and, you know, can't lose weight, you know, and and isn't, isn't tapped into their body because you're always dieting. Like when you think thoughts like this, which a lot of people do when they're dieting, they become so out of touch with their body. Like they, they don't recognize their hunger sensor from their full sensor. And they're so used to like restricting and disconnecting from their body that a lot of their thoughts become as if they're judging their body and they're not actually in their body. So then what happens even if you get, you know, we get all their puzzle pieces together and they lose the weight and their energy levels go up and they're feeling great physically, there's like this disconnect. And this is why I, when I mentioned we work the mindset components into our program now, it's because what happens when you are telling yourself that you're not a person who's in shape, you're not a person who loses weight and keeps it off, you're someone who always struggles at dieting, when you're telling yourself all these negative thoughts, your body will actually do that. It's like your thoughts become your reality. Your brain doesn't even really know the difference between perception and reality. So then that becomes reality. And you're like, well, that's weird. Why did I gain all the weight back? So there has to be this connection between what's happening physically and what's happening, you know, spiritually and mentally and, and with your emotionality. So it's really important for when we're working with clients to realize that, you know, to help them realize they're shifting into a new identity and all the still, you know, the, the same awesome parts about themselves are still going to be there. And, you know, as they reach their goals, they have to think differently. And even, even around food, I mean, someone who's been using food as a numbing mechanism their whole life, 
um, as they're shifting and they're realizing what's interesting, by the way, side note, Ronnie, is that a lot of times when people get sugar cravings, they think it's about willpower, but it's never really about willpower. It's a lot of times it's either a numbing mechanism or they actually have physical sugar cravings. And when we can take away the physical sugar cravings by doing things like taking glutamine supplements or eating more fat, there's ways you can actually take away the physical cravings. And if we can work on the emotionality piece, so they're not numbing and using food as a drug, then what happens is you've got this habitual thing where you're just used to eating donuts every Friday night because you're sad and you dig into the Ben and Jerry's because that's just what you do when you watch movies and you know you order popcorn at theater because that's what you do. Like All these things that were just like part of your life, you have to shift your thinking, shift your mindset and step into this new identity. You're no longer a person who does that. Because, you know, and what's really interesting, I just think it's so interesting that we find that, you know, you can take away all the reasons why people would actually, you know, eat these, these foods that were maybe they don't even really want to and they just they just do it. But it's, so it's, a, it's a shifting your identity, which kind of sounds like kind of woo woo. And like, it's kind of a, we're kind of going to like this big, big place, but it's really important because that's what it comes down to. Our clients will say, it's just crazy. I don't even crave, I don't even crave sugar anymore. And I just find myself like standing in front of the pantry, pulling out cookies and I don't even really want them. And then I like start to eat them because I'm just a person who's just always eating cookies. And it's that, it's that thought. I'm a person who's always eating cookies, you know, when I'm bored or when I'm stressed or whatever it is. So it's shifting these thought patterns. And one way, one just easy, simple strategy that I personally do every morning, and I really recommend all of our clients to do this, is saying affirmations. I spend about five minutes every single day. I actually have mine typed out now, and I just go through and I read them. And not just like rehearsing them, but I actually try to put energy and power into them. Um, you know, like, like I, I am a strong person and things like this. Like I am not a person who eats cookies. I'm a person who resists them. And all these different affirmations, they actually will become your reality and this is the part that sometimes can be frustrating because we don't always see the positive effect right away. And it's doing like this over time repetitively that changes us into a new person. Like we don't have to be the same person we were five minutes ago. We really don't. Like we can be a totally different person moving forward. Our cells are literally changing. We're literally becoming a new person. And our thoughts can be the same. But when you think about it, a lot of people get stuck in their same old thoughts and old mindset and your brain just likes to go where it's comfortable. So it just stays there and it just repeats these patterns. And in order to get out of that vicious cycle, we have to shift something. Yes. We have to do something different, right? Because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So something has to change. And that's what I think is so exciting. We have the power and the control to change. We just have to invest our time a little bit into changing our thought life. Absolutely. I mean, this is so much of what I've been I've been really focusing on and teaching over the last year and in, in really this idea that, I mean, you said it so perfectly. It's like, you know, one of the ways that I try to sum it up and I, you know, study, I've worked with people like John Martini personally and, and Michael Beckwith and Joe Dispenza um, and, and so much of their work is about this idea that you can become more than you are. Right. And not just saying it, but giving you practical tools from different perspectives. And I think the, the easy way to sum it up is that um, in order to become what you can be, you have to let go of what you've been. And, and the way that one of the, the, the quotes that came to my mind is that don't sacrifice what you can be for who you've been. You know, so and, and what that means to me is that 
whoever you've been accustomed to being. So like if you've been the person accustomed to whatever the particular habit pattern that you know is not serving you, yet you keep going to it because maybe there's a, there's a sedative effect. Um, you haven't dealt with the interpersonal stuff. You don't know how to do the interpersonal kind of healing or alignment work, whatever, whatever it is. There's, there's rehearsed patterns and habits that have created your personality and that's who you've become accustomed to being. And there's a lot of factors to that, but ultimately it's like we can have a vision, you know, you can do a medicine ceremony or you can do a meditation or Vipassana or just have glimpses of insight that are almost like broadcasting a future self. You know, like I like to think it was, I'm really into quantum physics and I get into like the meta, the kind of the metaphysical stuff. So like the way that I like to think of it is that my future self is communicating with me when I get those intuitive glimpses. It's like, oh man, my future self that's already been through this is trying to give me a glimpse of what's possible and I can feel it, right? That's like, you know, our emotions are so powerful. So it's like, I feel the reality of it, but in my three-dimensional material world, there's a lag time. And I think that's where we get caught up in like, what's called what they call the Maya in the Hindu tradition or Ayurveda or, or just what we call like the, 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 the slow moving 3d of like just the material world. Things don't move as quickly as the quantum world of the thought, the spontaneous realization of a possibility for our life. It's like, we, we have that vision of what's possible for ourselves. That person, that, that personal who's clean is energetically, emotionally, mentally, hygienically clean and is doing what we love to do and is healthy and vibrant in, in healthy relationships. And maybe that our reality doesn't reflect that, but we know that that's a possibility, but that transition, like how do we make, I want to talk about that and we can go any different angle here, whether it's, it's the health food perspective or, or otherwise that transition point, that lag time, in other words, from from that that realization to it actually becoming an embodied reality what 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 is what is that what does that look like or how can that be supported i think one exercise is visualization and it is so powerful so when you can actually close your eyes and envision the thing happening and what your life will look like when it happens and how that feels in your body and what changes in your everyday life and what, what you feel like when you get out of bed in the morning when that happens. Whatever the thing is that you're wanting to shift into or transition into, every morning, if you can just visualize, just, it doesn't even have to take that long. Just take a couple minutes to really like see this happening. That's when I, I think it just speeds up the process. And it's just, it's just crazy because it kind of just seems like, how could that actually happen? But it can, because then what happens is as you shift into and transition into the thing that's going to happen and it happens, it, it's just natural. It's like, it's almost like, you know, saying gratitudes for something that you don't quite have yet. You know, like I am a multimillionaire and you just keep thanking God for being a multimillionaire every day. And then suddenly you're a multimillionaire and you're like, of course I am. <laughs> like yeah. I am. I am. I already thanked God for that happening. So I think it's a, I think it's almost like this forward thinking. And, you know, we talked about your thoughts are so powerful. And when you can put yourself in the position where you can actually, you can taste what it's like to have that thing, you can see it, you can feel it. I mean, even with my dietitian license, when I ended up making this decision to give up my dietitian license, I mean, I could have, I probably could have won the fight. Um, I had, I didn't do anything wrong. I had some pretty good attorneys on the case, but five and a half years into this, I was just like, there was a moment, just a moment of clarity. I was at a coffee shop in Santa Barbara, California, 
just sitting there. And my attorney called and said, you know, you've got to come in, you've got to come back to Minneapolis, Minnesota on Wednesday, because they want you to come in to be interrogated again. And I can't get out of it. There's nothing we can do. And I said, hold on, let me call you back in a couple minutes. And I just sat there and I visualized, okay, what's going to happen if I, if I go back for that? I'm going to get on an airplane. I'm going to leave beautiful, sunny California. And I'm going to go back. And I'm going to be interrogated by this board of people who are just trying to, they're pulling up everything they can from my whole life, trying to put me under the bus. And I'm going to fight. And I'm going to put my fists up. And I'm going to try to keep this credential, this thing that isn't even aligned with anything I believe and know to be true. Or, and this was the first time I had this thought, or what if I didn't go? What would that feel like? And even like saying that right now, I'm putting myself back in this moment. I remember I just felt so light and so excited. And I'm like, gosh, why didn't I think of this sooner? <laughs> and I sat in that and I let myself feel that. Okay, like let's, let's, let's go there. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Like how will I feel if I call my attorney back right now and I say, I'm good. I'm done. I don't need those credentials. I don't even want them. I don't even want to be associated with someone who has those credentials and teaches those things. Like what would that be like? And it was scary. And I just couldn't get over the feeling of freedom and lightness and peace. And that's when I knew that I knew that I knew. Mm. And I'm someone who's made most of my decisions in my whole life with my head. Mm. You know, I've always really like relied on um, my, my, my intellectual abilities and being smart and being able to figure things out. And, and um, I also have the past several years, I've been someone who's really been um, on a journey of tapping into my my soul and my heart and my emotions and unraveling all the layers of me and learning more about me and loving who I am and getting to know myself more. And this, I think, was a really significant part of the process for me because it challenged who I believe I am. It challenged my identity. I got to tap in and and, and drop in and experience that that intuition. I didn't really know even like what intuition really was because honestly, I'd just been numbing mine out. I was always just working harder. And in my earlier days, I was masking any feelings I had with, with sugar and with food and with exercise and running marathons and all the, and, and the, all the achieving, which looked good on paper. But in reality, I was really disconnected from my body. That's why I can relate to a lot of our clients who disconnect from their bodies when they're trying to lose weight. And this was really a journey for me of um, tapping in. And you know, what, what does my soul feel called to do? And the amazing thing was when I surrendered that license and I just said, I'm done. And I gave up, you know, in a lot of ways, I just gave it up. I did. Um, That was when I was really able to, I didn't realize how much it was weighing on me. And a lot of times we don't, even with our clients, sometimes they don't realize how much their weight is actually weighing on them, not just physically, but like emotionally and mentally and all the other areas of our lives that are affected because of every single day thinking about this. And every single time they eat, they're thinking about this and it's weighing on them. So I didn't realize how much it was affecting my creativity, my ability to be a leader for all of the people on my team, my ability to serve my clients, my ability to tap in and get excited about new projects and life and relationships and living, moving to the ocean and all the just everyday things were just really being bogged down by that. And I really felt, feel like I was able to step in to this new identity from that moment of clarity, that moment, that moment. And there was a gap there too, because I didn't know what that new identity was. I was like, I've always been known as dietitian Cassie. Like who's, who's Cassie and what do I do with that? And, and who do I want to be? And those were questions that I think all of us should be asking ourselves every day. Who do I want to be? Like, who do I want to be today? 
that's one thing that I do every morning with my affirmations and my prayers is I ask myself, who do I want to, how do I want to show up in this world today? Mm -hmm. I'm really good at being like super busy and super work oriented and like super productive. And, um, you know, I like, I think about a lot of stuff and I, I, I used to be someone who was just running around like a chicken with her head cut off all the time. And these days I'm like, I want to show up as someone who's super present who's super powerful and, you know, good at different things and helps a lot of people and is super present and super grounded and super at peace and super confident. And I think about how I want to show up that day. And I honestly think it's because of thinking through this and being intentional that my days go really well. (laughs) They, They go really well these days. And I love who I show up as. And then before I go to bed every night, I think about how I showed up and what I do differently and what were my favorite parts? And I think through this, and then I know that the next day is a brand new opportunity to be somebody new, to work on the things that I want to be better at. And th- this is the part of like the gap that you asked me about that got me down this rabbit hole. But I'm thinking about that gap between like, you know, this thing and then getting this thing. And there's this, there's this gap. And oftentimes it's uncomfortable because it's hard when you don't know what it looks like over here and you're really comfortable over there. And you know what this is like, even if it sucks, sometimes it's nice just to be comfortable. But it's in the discomfort. That's where the transformation is every time. We have to go through that in order to reap all the benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, brilliantly put. And I think, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a strong intuitive perspective to all this, right? Like that, and that takes away from the kind of the allopathic mechanical perspective and of everything just being like a series of numbers and calculations and ratios. And, and that does have value. However, um, you know, it's like if we're not dealing with the things that are eating away at us inside, it doesn't matter what we're eating because there's, there's, there's an intuitive and there's a, there's a spiritual approach to all this. However, that, however one interfaces with that calls it, whatever it is, there's the, the essential, you know, nature of well being is that you're, being well, you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a human being in all areas of your life, you feel well, you know, that's the idea of wellness to me. And, um, I'd like to kind of just touch on your perspectives on developing an intuitive approach to creating a healthier, more vibrant lifestyle. Um, and how, and how that served you and how that serves you and your clients, helping them, you know, tap into becoming more of an intuitarian versus maybe some other particular, um, box that doesn't have as much room to grow. Yeah, I think I think developing your intuition. What I love is it's so possible even for people like me who are just so stuck in their head and like strategies and processes and um and I was always someone who was like I don't even I hate meditation. I suck at meditation and that's how I knew I was the person who needed meditation. <laughs> so a lot of the women that I work with, they're where I used to be in that sense where they're like I can't ever even see myself sitting down for 2 minutes, let alone meditating for an hour like you know some people do. And I think what what it comes down to is um just like learning anything, like learning to surf, I've got to get out there on the surfboard at least a few times a week, right? Like in order to develop that skill. Any skill that you want to develop, you have to work at it and you have to set aside the time for it. So, and you don't need a lot of time. You really, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, Ronnie, but I feel like when people are starting out, especially you don't have to meditate for an hour or two a day, really start with like two minutes or like literally start with two minutes. You know, I mean, I, I try to meditate for at least 10 or 15 minutes every morning and that can even be a challenge for me. And there's times when I do longer meditations. And I also think starting out with just a couple minutes is a great starting point because 
the point of meditation too is not to just not think about things. It's to notice. It's to notice your thoughts that are coming in and being like, okay, cool. I'm thinking about how stressed out uh, stressed out I am about being on Ronnie's podcast at 11. Okay, cool. Noted. <laughs> okay, cool. Noted. I'm 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 feeling a little bit of um, excitement about you know, what I'm doing later tonight, going to LA. Okay, cool. And it's like noticing those thoughts. And there's even, there's value in that. There's value in just noticing what's happening in your body. It's almost like, you know, when you're developing your intuition, I think it's really, really smart to try to almost like observe yourself, mm-hmm. like step away a little bit and be like, okay, like how, how am I feeling right now? And what am I thinking right now? Cause your brain is just so good at like, you know, going through like the whole monkey mind and, and also going back to old habits. Like that's what it's comfortable with is old ways of doing things and old habits. So paying attention to that is the first step, recognizing it before you, you know, move forward into something new. So I think the exercises to really developing intuition come down to quieting your mind and quieting your body and noticing how to pay attention to what's actually going on in your body. Mm. So I'm feeling like right now, when I just take a deep breath, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of feeling like kind of excited and kind of kind of worked up a little bit. I feel like a little bit of like movement in my in my chest right now. And I wonder if that's I wonder I wonder what that's about. I wonder if it's because I'm really excited to be talking to you, or maybe it's because after this I get to see my operations manager who flew in from the East Coast and we're gonna go up to LA and map out next year. And then I notice that I I'm getting my head again and I start thinking and I'm like, okay, back to my body. So it's like this process of checking in and it doesn't have to take very long. I try to do this throughout the day, checking in with my body and where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, Journaling is another really great exercise. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't even know where to start, you know, when, when I'm journaling and I never know what to write. And I always say, just start with a blank page and just start writing that. (laughs) Be like, I don't even know what to write about. I'm just going to start writing, writing right now. And then write the favorite parts of your day and brain dump all the things that are stressing you out. Get your to-do list out there just so it gets out of your head. And then eventually you start to get down to the really good stuff. And you're like, oh, this actually gets me super excited because now I feel light and free. And then you write about those things. So journaling is also a really good way to connect I think getting into your body through movement, um, and I say movement instead of exercise, I'm, I love being active. I'm a huge proponent of an active lifestyle, and I'm a recovering exercise addict because I thought I had to burn more calories and run more marathons, and the more that I ran, the more weight I gained, and I was all confused, and looking mm-hmm. back, I understand that was because I wasn't giving my body a break, and it was all the stress and the increased cortisol levels and the inflammation and that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. But what I found was in order to get in the best shape of my life um, and mentally to be in the best place in my life, I had to let go of that mentality and relax a little bit. And it's good to get into your body. So moving around, you know, that might just be going for a couple walks during the day. It might be walking down to the ocean or if you live in Minnesota where I just moved from going out on the lake in the winter on the ice and just breathing in that cold air and just noticing how that feels on your face. So what I'm really getting at here is connecting back in your body because so often we're so disconnected from our bodies um, and in our daily lives, you know, getting things done and achieving and especially entrepreneurs and especially people who are raising a family and especially people who are in relationships and trying to go through all the challenges and obstacles that come with that. Um, It's really getting back in touch with your body and then paying when you're paying attention Um, when you get the little intuitive, kind of like the whisper that you feel in your body or in your heart. Like when I was sitting at that coffee shop in Santa Barbara, I remember I just felt this, like, it was like a tightness in my chest. And I was like, Ooh, what's that? But I don't even think I would have noticed it if I hadn't been doing this work Mm -hmm. on developing my intuition. 
And I don't know if it's, you know, if it's, if it's something in you or if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's a sign from God or if it's this, this thing in you, like whatever it is, you can feel it. And then asking it, what am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to take from this? What does this mean? And sometimes I have no idea what it means. And that's when I start to like, kind of like list out some different scenarios and try the visualization. Like, okay, well maybe, maybe that's associated with if I just give up my license, how would I feel? Or maybe, okay, well, what if I kept it? How would that feel? And then you're like putting yourself in these different scenarios and noticing how you feel in your body. Mm. Another thing you can do a really easy exercise is ask yourself like simple questions that you know the answer to and pay attention to how you feel. So is my name Cassie? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Is my name Ronnie? No, it's not. And I felt different when I said that Mm. because I knew it wasn't true. Yeah. Those are just a few ways, the journaling, the meditation, moving your body, checking in, asking yourself super simple questions that you know the answer to. I think accumulation of those and just for like, you know, even just for 10 or 15 minutes a day really helps to develop your intuition. Yeah. And by doing that, you get a sense of what a yes and a no feels like, right? That's, that's the value of it, right? Because we don't, we don't necessarily know right off the bat. We're not, we're not trained. We're we're kind of, we're still, if we've been sedating or medicating ourselves, then we've been essentially numbing that intuitive response. So like there is a re-entrainment to like, what does a yes or a no feel like? Am I a yes man or a yes woman in my life? But am I saying yes to things that actually are not in alignment with me? And so it's like, it's like, it's very multidimensional kind of thing. Yeah. And I think the value of that too, Ronnie, is once you really like hone in on that and you know what a yes feels like in your body and you know what a no feels like, like when I said Cassie, it was like a yes. And when I said Ronnie, it was like a no, because that's not my name. And Cassie is my name. And when you can feel that, you'll start to feel it in other areas of your life. Like when someone asks you on a date and you're like, ooh, ooh, oh, that's a no. I feel the no in my body. And you don't even have to know why. It's just a no. Or maybe it's a yes. And you feel the light, you know, the, the, the more like peaceful, like grounded feeling. Maybe it's a yes. But tapping in... When you're doing, when you can do that in like a basic sense in a safe place, then you'll start to notice how your body feels in all the simple everyday life. And not, not all, all the simple. I mean, the complex decisions too, but you'll just get a better read on those when you can answer those simple questions and feel what your body feels like. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so important to living a self-guided life, right? So you're not saying yes out of obligation or out of guilt or shame or any of that. You're actually being congruent. And I think that has everything to do with health is like, yeah, I mentioned before, like the people that are closet eating because they have one identity in public, but they're mm-hmm. in the closet because they're, they're whatever, they have addictions or maybe they're doing something because they need it and they're not being congruent out here. So it actually creates like a, like almost like a schizophrenic type of yeah bifurcation of somebody's own personality over a time if they've done that for so long. Mm-hmm. But really the key, I think, for, for true wellness and true healing for sure is congruency. It's like, it doesn't, I don't need to explain why I may not even know why I'm a no to being around this person or accepting their invitation. All I know is that my body is trying to, it's giving me a signal that it's a no and that, and like, I can approach that however I want, but I don't need to, I don't need to accept this dish. That's like, you know, it's like if somebody tries to give me something to eat, I was like, I don't eat, I eat once a day. I'm, I'm intermittent Mm -hmm. fasting. I'm doing liquids all day long. 
and like someone offered me like a vegan cookie i'm like no i'm a no like mm. i don't even need to like I, I, mm. like well you know it's just a cookie it's organic it don't doesn't matter like and you don't have to justify it no exactly yeah right thing is people feel like they have to they, they say yes because they feel bad or you know they don't return the gift that they don't like because they, they have this feeling of guilt and shame around it and or or they yeah they eat dessert and they don't even want the dessert they do it because they feel like they should and they have the guilt and i think that like that's what's so interesting is when you can really tap into your body, you become so much more confident in your choices and who you are. You don't even feel the need to explain yourself right. and you don't have to. A no, I mean, no is a complete sentence, right? Like you don't have to justify <laughs> it <laughs> and you can just say no politely. And I actually love testing this out. I love testing things. Um, one of my favorite things to do is in an elevator to just face, not the door, face the people and just see how people react. That's a random, like really fun exercise. But another <laughs> fun one is um, testing things like this. Like when someone asks me if I want to do something or if I want to eat something and I don't want it, I just say, no, thank you. And it's interesting because they kind of wait because they're, I mean, I'm even used to people explaining themselves and explaining themselves and you don't have to do that. And if you're polite, it's, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Even I was at a restaurant over the weekend and they made one of our orders wrong. And, um, I, I asked for, you know, I asked for the order to be corrected and for the right food. And I did it super politely, super nice. The server was great. And my friend said, wow, that is so cool that you just did that. They said, we wouldn't have done that. We would have just, you know, eat. Actually, we probably wouldn't have even eaten next. We didn't, we didn't like what they brought. And I'm like, but you didn't get what you ordered. Why wouldn't you say anything? Right. And they, felt like it was like a mean thing to do. But in reality, I think it was, it was amazing because it gave a server an opportunity to be an awesome server. Um, we got the food that we ordered in the first place that we should have gotten. And I was able to be confident and approach that situation just like super nice. Like, you know, you don't have to be a mean person. And there's like, I think, yeah, I think, so I think it's like tying, like tying all this together. It's like, you know, increasing your intuition increases your confidence and knowing where you stand. Like for you, you know, if someone offers you a vegan cookie, it's a no, you just know it's a no and you don't have to justify it. You don't have to explain it. It's not because of them. And you're actually not even responsible for how they feel about it. When you say no, mm-hmm. that's not on you. You're only responsible for you. Right. 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 I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that can be an expanded conversation of itself, not taking responsibility for other people's reactions and emotions. And obviously in relationships that, that gets pretty interesting if we're in that, you know, it's, it's a long, that, that can bring up a whole lot of things. Um, there, there was a point to that, that I, I thought that was important to make. Maybe, maybe that's the perfect place to conclude, but, um, I know I went down a rabbit hole and I actually had another direction I was going to go and I was going to circle back to, and now I forgot that direction. <laughs> So okay. we're back on the same page again. Yeah, no, that's pretty well. It was just around this idea that like, you know, and so I've noticed when somebody is explaining themselves, I actually get a weird reaction in my body because I'm an, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm empathetically mm-hmm. feeling them and I can feel their, their need to explain themselves. And I actually don't need, I, I feel like kind of this interesting discomfort in my body. Sometimes when someone is like over explaining, I get kind of like, okay, like, Okay, I don't need to. It's kind of like filler, mm-hmm. you know, like a speaker's filling in the gaps. Yeah. How to keep, they don't know how, it's like, it's not, it's just not getting to the point. I guess it's not, it doesn't feel congruent. Yeah, yeah it's like when you give someone a compliment and um, a lot of people, you know, thinks, you know, here's where I got it and I got this really good deal on it or they, they go into like this story. So what I've been doing lately, and maybe I should ask their permission, but I don't, I just, I, I just say, you know what, what if you just said, thank you? 
And it's interesting, you know, people, they'll be like, no, like, it's like, they get that discomfort. And I don't really know, you know, we could dig deeper into that whole thing too. But I I love just simplifying things. Like when someone tells me they like my hair, I say, thank you. I really appreciate that. That, That's the appropriate response. Like you give me a compliment. I'm going to give you, I'm going to receive it. Right. Like, yeah, I think that's really what it is. They compliment you then. Sometimes they'll compliment you and be like, oh, I like yours too. It's like, mm-hmm. no, like that's, that's not how this works. Just say thank you mm-hmm. and just receive it. And receiving is such a challenge and it ties back full circle into, you know, receiving. Um, like I think with our, with maybe, maybe with different, different thoughts on this, or maybe there's different schools of thoughts, but with your intuition for me, I feel like it's like a, it's almost like receiving like what the, what the higher power is, is, is giving me and the messages that I'm receiving and, you know, maybe sometimes it's tapping in or maybe I don't really know how it all works and I won't yeah. pretend like I do, but I view it as receiving and I've, I haven't always been the best receiver. I've been someone who's like worked really hard to achieve and to be able to just quiet and receive is an amazing skill. Mm. I don't think it's just one that people, I mean, some people might be born with it, but I think for a lot of us, it comes with practice yeah. and sitting down, you know, on our mat to meditate for even five minutes when we don't feel like doing it. There's so many times that I'm like, this is so dumb. I just want to, I just want to stop. I'm just, I'm just going to start my day. But it's the times when I sit there for just a few more minutes, that's when the messages mm. come. That's when the clarity comes. That's when all the answers I've been seeking just download. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think that that that's a beautiful way to tie a tie a bow on it. It's, it's like you know the thing I was talking about, or we were talking about, of like you know you receive these messages, but can you re- you get the messages, but can you receive it and take it seriously? I think that's the thing too. Just in a just from my perspective of like why people don't make those shifts, why they don't transform, is because they don't actually believe it's real, right? They don't actually take it seriously, and. My, you know, it's like, this is serious. This is serious business. So your life is a serious business and you only get one uh, excluding like reincarnation or whatever. Like you as this particular incarnate though, this is your one go. And you don't know when your last day around the sun is. This is so, you know, play life is a game, but a game to be played seriously with serious intent. Right. And, you know, to take it seriously that like, okay, I'm not just isolated in my physical experience. There is a spirit that created me and whatever created me is probably working through me, trying to guide me. Mm -hmm. So if I can receive the messages, no matter how crazy they may seem and just take it like, okay, this is a message. I'm going to receive this. I'm actually going to put this and tuck it away in my heart. Then maybe those miracles that I'm, trying to make happen can actually spontaneously emerge in my life because maybe the equation was that I was blocking off the flow. I wasn't able to receive. I think, you know, I'm, I'm grateful you brought that up because that's, that's a consistent theme in my type a workaholic athlete mentality. So many of us do that. We do that. We block the flow. I love the you said it that way. We block it with being, even just with being busy. Or for me, sometimes what I do is I fill my brain and my, my, my ears and my brain with, with podcasts and audiobooks all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I think I need to just walk around and clean my house in silence right now. <laughs> and it's taking these leaps of faith too. I think taking, taking action, like receiving is great. And I also have always hated the phrase like let go and let God because I'm like, well, I think God gave us brains and like we're supposed to do things and take action. Right. So
One of the other things I do is business coaching for other dietitians and health coaches who want to build online practices like I did. And I was talking to her about this upcoming retreat that I have, this intensive. And she, when we talked about, you know, the investment, it's a pretty, pretty high investment. It's definitely a leap of faith for a reason, right? Because I want, I want them to step into that and to, and to do that for themselves. And I was so proud of her. She said, so I'm feeling really scared right now. <laughs> and she said, and I also feel this, like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And she's like, and it doesn't really make sense. Like financially, it doesn't really make sense. Like I have to reschedule. I have going on a weekend. The date doesn't even make sense. But she's like, I just feel so called that this is my next thing that I'm supposed to do. And I just, I, 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 I said, I'm not, I'm not attached either way. I also think it's perfect for you. And I can see that for you. I can hold that vision for you and I can help you get there. And I encourage you to, to lean into that. And so she took this step of faith and it was so interesting. She contacted me like just an hour or so after signing up um, for this program of mine. And she said, it's already happening. She said, it's literally already happening. The intensive isn't for two more months. And she said, I'm already like, like I, I, I feel it. She said, I feel like I'm, it's already happening. Like I'm, I'm excited to post on, I'm already posting on Instagram. And I started writing out some, like she was working on things that she'd been stuck and blocked and when we were having this conversation, she was like, I sit in front of my computer and I just feel stuck and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to write. And I haven't posted on Instagram in like a year. And she was so stuck. And just from making that commitment, the financial investment and committing to come to this event, she's already, it's already happening for her. So I think sometimes it's just a matter of like doing something different and stopping, stepping in and leaning into the fear. And when you do that, like that's what, that's what helps to close that gap. And that transformation will literally start happening mm. in that gap when you step into it. So, so perfectly put. I've, I've had so many experiences like that as, a, as an entrepreneur and a coach. Some of the biggest things that have happened financially, I didn't create. Or they, were, they came on some kind of like spontaneous moment where I wasn't focused on it, but I had done enough road work energetically and I prepared myself, of course. But I've had those experiences myself where I made big investments and took that leap of faith. And then all of a sudden, other opportunities opened up. It's kind of like, you know, you learn to fly on the way down from the ledge. But but you got to like, it's like, you got to be willing to jump off. The analogy I make for people is that it's like, okay, you're standing on a ledge, you're looking over and there's like, life is moving forward. You can't go back. There's no bridge. Mm-hmm. So you're, there's, a, there's kind of this energy moving forward that, that's going to push you off the ledge if you don't make a move. But you're better off planting your feet and getting a, getting a position to launch off. Because if life pushes you off, you might hit the rocks. You might like dangle on the way down. But if you can look over and brace yourself and jump, you'll get more, you'll get a better position to, to fly or kind of like, you know, a, a diver going down into the water. You're just in a better position to yeah. get where you want to You go. have to put yourself out there. You, you have to put yourself. It's like when I own paragliding um, here in Torrey Pines in California. And I didn't realize like, like there was nobody that went before me because it was too windy in the morning. And I was just like waiting to go. I was so excited. I didn't realize you actually have to jump off the cliff. I thought you kind of just like floated into the air. You know, I had no idea how it worked. So we get all strapped up. I'm like strapped up to this guy. And he's like, all right, on the count of three, we're going to run and you're going to jump off the cliff. I thought he was kidding. So he comes to three and we start running and there I am. And there I am jumping. And I had to do that in order for the magic of paragliding or the science of paragliding, whatever it is to happen. And it was amazing. And it it wasn't going to happen with me standing there. That was not a moment of just like receiving and letting the, letting the universe pull me into the air. (laughs) I had to actually step off the cliff. Yeah. Right. I think that's why, like, that's why 
I invest so much money in attending events and getting coaching. And, and it's always like, I love making big investments, which is, I never thought I'd say that. And the reason I do love it is because it's like an opportunity. I see it as like, oh my gosh, like if I invest this much money into this thing that I feel called to do, what's going to happen? Like, what are the possibilities? And it's beautiful because whenever I, you know, push past that fear and, you know, step out and in faith sometimes in a lot of ways, that's when it's like you get, you, you just give it the opportunity to, even I feel like, you know, I, I like to, I like to give like financially and I like to um, be generous with 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 my finances, and when I'm when I'm scared to do that, like sometimes I'm, I just feel like oh, I just feel kind of greedy, and I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to give. Like, what if I don't make as much next month? And sometimes I get these limiting thoughts. But when I do, and I just step out in faith, and I do what I feel called to do, amazing things can happen. But when we ignore those opportunities, and we are a little bit selfish, and we hold on to things a little bit too tight, and we don't jump off the cliff, the paragliding is not going to happen. Like you're not gonna, you're not going to get the magic that can happen when you step in. So I think viewing that as an opportunity, even when I was talking to this dietitian, I was like, well, what a cool opportunity for you for the first time to invest in your business, invest in yourself and step out in faith. And like, what's that going to do for you? What you're going to look back. I mean, I really believe she's going to look back on that moment as a pivotal moment in her journey when she was on a call and she made a decision that changed the trajectory of her business. I've had so many like those. And I I know you have too, Ronnie. Yeah. And then really what it does is you're investing in an upgrade identity, right? It kind of ties all back to that whole yeah. thing is like yes. you're, you're investing in who you can be versus who you've been, which mm-hmm. is an investment in of itself. Whether you're spending money or not, you're investing your life and your time and your energy, which you can't get back. You can make all the money in the world. Like there's a million yeah. ways to make a million dollars, but there's no way to get your time and energy and life back. And that's, and I think that that is like to me in my heart, that's the thing that pains me a little bit when I think about just like when somebody dies prematurely or they don't live to their fullest potential or they have some debilitating disease or they have a lifestyle disease and they never make the actions to correct. It. It's like, it's like a light, it's like a library of knowledge and, and, and innovation that burns to the ground that nobody in the world will get to experience. You know, it's, that is, it's like yeah. your life is a blessing. Your life is a gift and all the experience and all the, everything that you can bring out yeah. um, is lost to the world. And, and so that, that to me is like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's just, that's the biggest thing that kind of hits me in the heart. But then what, what inspires me is conversations like this and, and, and people that take this to heart and are like, you know what? I've been living below my potential. I'm going to step it up in whatever area. I'm going to do a little bit more. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to, I'm going to contribute my energy mm-hmm. to something that's going to make a difference. And from there, that's them, you know, yeah. the magic, the magic, the magic. It does. It unfolds. And I love that you said the energy because also even money, I think money is energy. It's like you're putting, it's just energy that circulates when you think of it as it's not this thing that you're like, you know, that you're giving away and you're never going to see again, or that you're taking it. It's like this energy and you put, you know, you, you put something great into the world and the energy flows back. And when you think of it that way, it's more of like in circulation. And you think about what you're investing in, in yourself in this new identity, like not just money, but your time and, you know, your time to shift your thought patterns, time to tap in and connect with your body. Um, when you, when you invest in that, or you invest in what, if it's your business and you're investing in coaching or conferences, like you're setting aside the time and the energy 
and the, and the money, which is also energy to, to grow that and to give it an opportunity to flourish. Mm-hmm. And I love that about life. Like we, we get that we get this one life as we know so far, and we have this opportunity to do whatever we want to do and to have like huge impacts and influence and to have, have freedom and to feel free and to not be stuck in our own bodies or our own addictions or, you know, in, 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 in bodies that have, have, have weight and problems that we can actually like tap in and, and, and heal. And I think that's, what's so beautiful is we get to choose every single day who we want to be and where we want to invest our energy and what we want to work on and focus on. Even just like a, just like a quick example for me is a lot of times I have to decide do I want to get a lot of work done or do I want to focus on, you know, my body and getting stronger because the morning is my most productive time for anything, for going to the gym and also for creating content and also for shooting videos and also for, you know, anything that I want to do, like the morning is my, my best time to do it. So these days, as I'm creating some new programs, as we're, you know, wrapping up the end of the year here, going into 2019, I'm putting a lot of that energy into creation and my work. But there are times when I want to, I don't know, get in better shape or get some bigger biceps that I'm going to be going to the gym and using that, you, you know, using that energy for that. So I think, and I think the important part is you touched on it earlier is being intentional, like being really intentional. I think so many people, it's like life is just happening. And I've been there, especially when you don't have any time for yourself and you just feel like a crazy around and you know anyone listening maybe they've got they've got kids and businesses and work and relationships and there's a lot going on what if we viewed it as you know we're grabbing life by the horns and we're choosing how we're investing our time and our energy and everything is really a choice it doesn't always feel like it is but it really is and instead of life happening to us it's happening for us and we get to decide what we do with that one life that we have beautiful i think that's the most incredible way to uh to conclude this incredible conversation, we could definitely go a lot further in so many directions, but I really appreciate the time that we've had together. And I'd love to um, share more of your information and resources with the audience and where they can find more information about you. Thank you, Ronnie. I've really enjoyed connecting with you and really appreciate what you do and um, just the, the the servant hat that you wear every single day um, and the opportunity. Um, Cassie.net. That's where all the parties start for me. <laughs> I'm also on all, all social media. I'm, it's Cassie.net, but it, so it's, but it's C-A-S-S-I-E-D-O-T-N-E-T. Like you actually like spell out the .net oh, okay. for, for Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but the website is Cassie.net. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, this is such a pleasure. I really thank you for coming on. I'm glad that uh, our mutual friend, Angela, uh, connected yeah. us and, and bridged us together. It's such a pleasure to get to know you. And I look forward to continuing to get to know you when I shoot over to Encinitas and we'll, we'll link up and um, we'll you know see where the collaboration energy goes from there. Yeah, I'm so excited to see you when you move down here, Ronnie. Thank you so much. So great to connect. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. 
And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.